You got the chill. The chill, chill, chill. Everybody's ego takes a shot on this show. This is Rutledge and Hamilton with Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton, presented by Coors Light on 100.5 ESPN. But I know with a new team that I'm going to have to be here a little bit more just to get to know the guys, let them feel the cadence and start to step into the leadership role that is, you know, is going to be open for my you know, seamless transition there as a quarterback. Broadcasting live from the ESPN Madison studio with Matt Hamilton, here's Jim Rutledge. Aaron Rodgers is not a, a dumb man, so he knew what he was saying. He had to, as the words come out of his mouth of, it's important for me to be here for the new guys to fill that leadership role that I have. They can learn my cadence. Uh, they can learn you know, a little bit more about me. Yeah, that's annoying. Because I'll admit that. Watson, Dobbs, Watkins, and Lazard in the new spot. It was a really, and even Deguara, as I mean, Tunya was probably the only regular skill pass catcher that was not in a new position. Uh, Torre as well for the uh, Packers. Just a hey, lot. Don't, don't leave out Danny Davis, Jim. Danny Davis. He was there last year. Yeah, but as far as affecting the season, <laughs> it would have helped. And that's Aaron Rodgers talking about being at OTAs. This yeah, is Rutledge so, and Hamilton, or excuse me, Volunteer Workouts, presented by Coors Light. Yeah, so what annoys me about that, because obviously I've been pretty pro Rodgers today, is that he references the cadence, right? If he would have been like, yeah, I, I've played in a Hackett offense before, but it's been a few years, just wanted to make sure I'm, I'm still up to snuff on that, that would have been fine. But for the younger guys to hear his cadence, you're absolutely right. He knew what he was saying when he said that, and that's annoying. Because of what happened last year. And again, I don't really care that he didn't show up to voluntary OTs last year. But for the very next year to say that when you were in a room full of a bunch of new wide receivers, it's annoying for sure. Yeah. And Aaron is, again, he, he's calculating. He, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, would the Packers have won one more game in 2022 if Aaron Rodgers showed up to voluntary OTAs? 60% of you say yes. And 83% of you say no. Aaron Rodgers was not fully bought in last year with the. Green Bay Packers. All right. Randall Cobb out in uh, New York. Which one's which one's going to – does Randall Cobb sting if he's out there having a good time, or are you just happy for him? No, I'm just happy he gets another opportunity, right? Like, Green Bay for the last couple of years is where free agents that weren't going to sign anywhere else went to die. Mm-hmm. That has now become the New York Jets problem because <laughs> it is a package deal with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no wish list, though. But look, I, yeah, no, that was – I can't believe that. Um, I think he was mad because the word demands was used, even though it wasn't actually used. Wish list was the term used by Diana Rossini of ESPN. Yeah, demands was actually Aaron Rodgers. But players. no, uh, Randall Cobb, I think we can all agree with, on this. You're a Bears fan, so you played against him for a long time, but he's like an all-time good guy. Yeah. Right, like he's like a, a great, great – locker room guy. I don't expect him to have a very big season by any means. But no, I'm happy he gets another chance in the NFL. Um, you know, Similarly to Hackett. Uh, he couldn't hack it, pun intended, in Denver last year. So for him to get another another chance to, I mean, it's it's neat. It's just, it's kind of strange they're all in New York. I know it's the Aaron Rodgers effect. And, and it, uh, you know, Green Bay isn't much of a destination. Players come there to play with him. But New York, well, that's a destination. The players don't come there to just play with Aaron Rodgers. They put, they go there to play in New York. The last time that I would say Randall Cobb was a truly affected wide receiver, and I'll be generous, was 2019 with Dallas. 55 catches for 828 yards. Hey, he can't stay healthy. That's I would like issue. to point this out. 
Uh, I was right on two things last year, and Matt's not here. Randall Cobb did not get the touchdown total that Matt Hamilton was betting on he would get to. Yeah, we were just confused on who was going to. And then Amari Rodgers. He got one. So whatever the number was, he didn't get there. Yeah, I think it was five or six probably. And then also Amari Rodgers, he did bupkis. That, that has gone down as the worst prediction in the history of the show. Matt got sucked into what happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's pure as... What we know is going to happen right now is every Packer fan blogger is giving their team an A, even and with definitive, with gusto. Yet we just talked about uh, only 12 guys had their fifth-year option picked up out of the first round uh, in 2020, Jordan Love not being one of them. But we all speak with gusto uh, that uh, yeah. the, all these guys are going to be great. I will say I, I am more excited about this draft than I have been in past years. I really am. Um, I think Jaden Reed is the big question mark. The wide receiver from Michigan State yep. that they took in the second round, he uh, he has the ability to have some like I'm not calling him Tyree Kill or, or Debo Samuel, but he has a little bit of each of those guys in him. Where you've used the term gadgety with him, well, well uh, he's he's quick, he's he's small, he, he can do some fun things in an offense that maybe we haven't seen out of a Matt Lafleur system in Green Bay before. I don't know that you'll see it in year one, but I think Jaden Reed is is the fun, like, huh, I wonder what he'll turn into. Type My of favorite thing I saw about him online, and I don't have it exactly, but someone's like, oh, people are comparing Jaden Reed to like Randall Cobb, but he's closer to, and they started listing off some of his receivers. And I was like, they're like, oh, he's essentially 5'12", but then rounded down on all the other receivers. So Jaden Reed is 5'11", so they rounded him up. They're like, he's essentially 5'12", 187. 5'12"? Or, I'm sorry, six feet. Sorry, um, <laughs> but basically six feet, one eighty-seven. <laughs> I thought that was your oh, gripe with the tweet. No, no, no. They said he was five twelve. So the part of it what made me laugh was that he, uh, <laughs> um, that they would round down the other guys. So like, oh well, jo- Just Jefferson's like six one. He's six two. But like, right. he's basically this guy. No, he's not. But Debo Samuel is an insane cop because Debo Samuel is actually six feet. But he is 25, 20 pounds or twenty three pounds heavier. I'm not saying he so well, right. But not, I just I'm want to point that out. Like those Debo, guys. he can't be deep. Maybe the who was the other guy you said? I said Tyreek. Maybe Tyreek. I don't know but the speed not, part of not, it. He's not as quick. But no. Debo is a beast. Like he is built like a running back. Yes, that's true. That can. Oh, that's what makes him so special. If Debo couldn't run the ball, like, yes, he's a great pass catcher. But it's the running with the pass catching that makes him a freak of nature. For sure. If Jaden Reed can be a fifty five catch version of Randall Cobb. You're, I'm, I'm honestly you're through the moon that. for yeah, it. I'm so let's be fair to the guy and say, hey, maybe he can fill a Randall Cobb role. Even Randall Cobb of three years ago when he was catching well, 40 once passes. Again, once again, I'm not saying he's going to be Tyree Killer Debo Samuel. He's just got a little bit of like their intangibles and, and a little bit of the uh, the size. Did you hear the uh, Michigan State recruiting uh, tie with, with, uh, with Jaden Reed? I did not. So coaches started negative selling – uh, I forget the receiver who left Michigan State, just left Michigan State. Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman. They started reaching out to him saying that, hey, Jaden Reed would have gone higher in the draft if he had a capable quarterback thrown in the football. You should get out of Michigan State so you can be a higher draft pick and not suffer the same fate that Jaden Reed had. Really? And then he portaled. And then he portaled. But really? he's apparently considering coming back now. Wait, too. time out, time out. So Michigan State internally told him this? No. People like. Oh, in the extra, NFL? Yeah, no. Uh, other. Programs oh. to negative recruit the program Whoa. he's on and pull over. Dude, college football is so wild. Like, there is no rules at all. That should not be legal. Did, I love that. Did though. you guys see what happened immediately after he entered the portal as no, well? No, then no. Michigan State's quarterback entered the portal, Peyton Thorne. Wow. So they're losing their quarterback and Keon Holy Coleman. Crap. And part of the reason that Keon Coleman apparently entered the portal was because these negative naysayers 
trying to get him to go to other schools were saying that if you play with Peyton Thorne, Dude. your stats are going to go down. So then after yep. Peyton Thorne entered the portal, now Keon Coleman is apparently considering returning to Michigan State yeah. after already entering. So you're the college football buff on the show right now. Who would be the quarterback of Michigan State? Do you know that off the It'd top of your It would be Noah head? Kim. He has a transfer from North Carolina. Shut she would up. have been there with Phil Longo. Longo yeah. Um, I don't think there's very high expectations for him. Uh, he's obviously a one-time transfer, so yeah. he had to transfer for a reason. But Well, Drake May. Yeah. Well, Drake May. Well, One of I the best think quarterbacks was, in the country. But Noah Kim, I think, was there before Drake May was. Oh. So he's probably wow. a very decent quarterback, but either way, it's it's a big S show over at Michigan State right no now. No kidding. That is unbelievable. I, I totally did not see that. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up to me without me vetting it. That is unreal. Let's throw some stones next segment. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, said by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. He's Alex Strofe. I am Jim Rutledge. Yeah, you are. We're live yeah. from the Spark Building. Uh, Ryan Walshon behind the glass. Let's throw some stones. Stones, huh? Did I say yes. The guys live <laughs> in glass houses, but that's never stopped them before. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. It's time to throw some stones. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? On Rutledge and Hamilton, brought to you by Metro Kia Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealership. So, guys, every each and every day, I waste a ton of time on Twitter, and it leaves me with a lot more questions than answers. So, I come to you guys, Jim and Alex, to give me some of those answers. I got you. I'll score the answers throughout, and at the end, we will crown a winner of Throwing Stones. So, as Jim was mentioning earlier, obviously... Aaron Rodgers, seen at the next game with Sauce Gardner uh, two nights ago, as well as Jessica Alba, Mike Myers, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, wild, wild to see him at a Knicks game. Um, so I ask you guys, if you happen to be seated at a professional basketball game courtside and you were next to a celebrity like that, yeah. do you reach over and say hello just as a complete stranger? Or do you leave them be? Alex, I'll start with you. Hold on. I got to set it up again. I'm sitting directly next to them. Yes, we'll say so, you're sitting so, right so next yeah, to them. I'm absolutely making a comment, but I'm not going to start it off by like, hey, my name is Alex Grove. Nice to meet you. It's more like, wow, what a shot that was, huh? Oh, hey, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you, Jessica. How you doing, sweetheart? Uh, uh, I loved you in uh, what movie would you say you love her in? <laughs> Spy Kids. Spy Kids, there you go. <laughs> I loved Spy Kids as a kid. Um, yeah, so yeah, I would probably say yes if I'm directly next to them. I mean, it, it'd be impossible to go three hours without talking to the person next to you. It reminds me of when I went to a game at TD Garden in Boston. Now, I was not courtside. I was in like the top deck um, when I visited Boston last year. And I sat next to a real-life Peter Griffin. And we became best friends. Peter Griffin from Family Guy. He had that th- but thicker accent. Uh, he just talked crap about Kyrie Irving, who did not play in that game. It was Celtics Pacers. Kyrie was on the nets at that point. He spent the entire game talking about Kyrie and how much he hated him. And we became buds. We were sitting next to each other for three hours. Naturally going to happen. You sure it wasn't just Seth MacFarlane? If he sounded that much like Peter no, Griffin? No, he was the size of Peter Griffin. Okay, I see, I see. 
Yeah, I don't talk to a lot of people if I'm at a game. I'm talking to like who I'm with, and I'm usually probably spent by the end of that time of talking to people. But so, if Jessica Alba or so that's different. I just wanted to point out that I, I honestly don't know what's more normal. If I'm I'm not going out of my way to talk to the people in the section with me. If they talk to me, I'll talk to them. But otherwise, like I'm just here to watch the game. I don't need to make best friends with people I'm never gonna see again in my life. So if I sit through the whole game and never interact with the people around me, I am completely fine with that. But unless the except for the people I'm coming with, yeah. I would try, I would wait for an in. So I would not guarantee that I would have it, but if there's like a second where uh, there's a high five opportunity or whatever, you can make it. I almost try to make like a joke. Like, hey, are you famous or something? Or are you in movies? <laughs> like like something where it's more just kind of like a, like a tongue. A real original, Jim. Tongue in cheek, as opposed to, hey, what do you think about this game? Like, you're so much original. I, that's for me. I would probably just you make some sort of... You don't think Jessica ever been asked, oh, are you famous or do something? Do you think... Right. Are you in a movie or <laughs> something? Do you think nobody else is also asked, like, hey, what do you think of the score of the game? There's no original approach to it. I'm just going to be me. And if I was talking, if I was going to lean in and talk to anyone, I would probably hey, Jessica, make... Jessica, what do you think of that Richard Aaron Rodgers? Right. But, like, maybe I would. <laughs> are you a Packers fan, Jessica? Like, I would lean in with something that I'm comfortable with, is the point. You're Alex Strofe is a... Attention-loving cornball, so he will lean into like, "Hey, how about those Knicks?" I will try to play it more subdued and might not even use, <laughs> might not even have the opportunity. I only even say that is if like cornal. someone came up to her and like tried to get a photo or something like that, and then say, "Oh, are you famous or something?" Sure, like sure. as a joke. <laughs> That's how I would do it. And if it didn't, if the opportunity didn't present itself, I wouldn't do it. What if like just, I don't need it. I don't need it. What do you think? Okay. Are, what Alex think? needs the pe- <laughs> Alex needs apparently strangers at a Boston Celtics game to, to like him. I don't need Jessica Alba to like me or know that I exist in the world because she'll forget it immediately. I made my uh, I made I made my bar league volleyball debut last oh, night yeah. as we talked oh, about a little bit. It went well, uh, but we lost. But I don't Real think well. one of the guys on my team likes me. Because, you know, I'm outgoing, I'm loud, I'm talking a lot when I'm on the court. Uh, I got in his space a little bit. Why would you? Well, it wasn't on, was on purpose. It was like a ball landed between us. I was in oh. front of him. Well, when you say I got in his face court. a little bit, no, you're space, like. Space, space, oh, S-P- I thought you said face. I'm like, what's up, bro? Yeah, no, no, no. Hit and the ball back. So I was front center. He was back uh, middle. And back row middle. And a ball came like over my head. And I, he's like, I got it. And then he didn't get it. It just hit the sand. And he's like. Can you step up a few steps, man? And my response to him was, yeah, I'll just stand under the net. No problem. Um, and that was our only interaction of the night. So did not a hot start. Great story. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> what about that night went well, then? You've lost and you annoyed one of your teammates. We went 2-1. Two and one, uh, two and one. We won one of the, our, our final oh. set. We won, uh, which was amazing. The team we were playing filled with you know people our age. And one like old guy, older than you, Jimmy, I'm talking. Oh, like wow. in his 50s or 60s. He's as old as that sand out there. Dude, though, huh? he was... He was he was dicing us up. Yeah, he had like he had like ten serves. I would have bet. I would, I would have bet on that. Like and if I, I show up for basketball and there's an old guy there, I'm gonna assume like that guy can ball out. And you know me, right? So like I'm trying to get him to crack after like the sixth serve. We we can't return. So I go, hey man, can you take it easy on us, please? And he laughs, and then he hits one right at me, and of course I miss it. I biff on it. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. All right. Well, going <laughs> off that, some got lost in translation with uh, Strofe and his teammate there, but. Today is the first Wednesday of May, which means it's National Interpreter Appreciation Day. So I ask you guys, if you could speak any language, be an interpreter for any language, what would it be? And if you have a why, give me, give us a why. Jim, start with you. So if I could be an interpreter? If you could speak any language. Oh. If you could be an interpreter of any language. Uh, French. It's a beautiful language. I know <laughs> that Spanish would be the most really? like, uh, like universal and probably... Useful, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that... Clearly, that's the right answer because 
we should all speak more than one one language in this country. But I'd want to learn French, and I think once you learn, essentially, once you learn any uh, language outside of English, you can learn the other ones pretty quickly because they all follow the same structure. We're the only ones that the just do our languages, own. Yeah. We're the only ones that do our own weird thing with uh, with with words. So I'll say French, though. I think it's beautiful language. All right, I'm spin zoning this and asking a different question. My okay. bad boyfriend, my girlfriend, speaks fluent Spanish. She's a Spanish teacher. Um, we watch movies and TV shows with the Spanish subtitles. But we've been together three and a half years. I have not learned Spanish yet. Am I a bad boyfriend? I think learning a foreign language is incredibly difficult, so no. Okay. You uh, didn't take Spanish in high school? You I, don't know I, did. Any... I actually took four years of Spanish in high school. Well, then, you, still know, nothing. then you, you don't remember no, a we, single we thing. Went, we went to Mexico in November. And uh, I, I've told this story before, but we got in the cab from the airport. And uh, the, the, the taxi driver uh, doesn't speak English, obviously. So, so my girlfriend handles that, right? So she's talking to him. I never heard the word cerveza, which means beer. And all of a sudden, there's a beer in my hand. And I, I look at her. I go, what did you say to that man? I have no idea what she said. Because cerveza, that's a word I know, right? That's one of the few words you need to know if yeah, you're going of, to Mexico. Of course, of course. Um, and a cerveza ended up in my hand. Who knows? Sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song right there. <laughs> cerveza in my hand. <laughs> cerveza in your hand. I mean, dang. <laughs> And I don't know how that's, it got there. Oh, that's no. a great call. Jimmy Buffett. We should ghostwrite for him. If Jimmy idea. Buffett was at the New York Knicks game, would you say hi to him? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I would say my dad is a massive yeah, fan. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> all right. Well, that was all I had today for Throwing Stones. But since Jim Wait, gave- what you, uh, Not to like give myself not a win, but what are you doing, man? Like This is supposed to go to 3.30. You only got two for us? Well, we have Eric Name coming on. I want to make sure there's enough time we get him on. I want to give him his... I'm actually Team Ryan here. I I want to give him his... We need to have a long conversation with Eric Name. Yes, I agree, which is why we'll have to give it to Jim once again. Hey, he's the cultured one who's learning languages outside of cerveza. You can't just learn cerveza. Yeah, you ugly American. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked in on the box. No, never in a million years. Bringing the insight and the analysis. I do hate charge calls. 2022 Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, Eric Name of The Athletic, is on Rutledge and Hamilton. The famous Eric Name uh, joining us here on uh, The Athletic. Eric, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on. We have so much to talk about with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and the offseason, which is not where I thought we'd be today, uh, not where I would imagine the organization and uh, Giannis and everyone else thought they'd be today. But I, I wanted to start, I want to get this out of the way, and I don't know if you know the answer to it, but I wanted to, there's obviously the, the tragedy around uh, Coach Budenholzer and his brother. Did the players know what was going on with Coach Bud during, during the series? Because I wonder if that, colored the very deep and introspective answer that Giannis gave to you about the season? I don't have the slightest idea. Okay. I was just curious on that part of it and see if, if he knew. Uh, because I loved Giannis's answer. I loved your question. And I thought it was, you know, two parts of, you know, maybe fans and media can call it a failure. But as a, as a player, 
it gave an uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts and I thought it gave a, an insight into how a player can gear themselves up for the grind of every season because if you played a year and you it, the judged only on winning the title that's a really tough way to live and that, Giannis I thought gave a really good insight into that yeah I mean I I don't think I was uh, super surprised that Giannis does not really view the game and seasons in like binary terms like that like win loss you know failure success that isn't really um what he's been about he's he tends to think about things pretty philosophically and tends to attack these ideas at a i mean at a pretty highly intellectual level um so i wasn't necessarily super surprised um i think it's it's gonna be really interesting kind of going forward where they go from here um I think it's it's a great approach. I think it's a great way. It's a great way to to view things, and I think keep yourself going. Um, I also am genuinely curious, you know, how they feel like they're doing in that process. Um, if this is just a step and a step towards success, what steps do they feel like they took this season? Because, you know, at at the end of the season, in in that final game, they did a lot of things wrong that they didn't do wrong in the past. And and that's where, uh, you know, I'm trying to piece together where the building is and where, you know, you are taking those steps forward and, and what steps come next from that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a very interesting answer and not necessarily something that I think was a huge surprise. Giannis tends to have pretty um, interesting thoughts on what I believe many people think are simple concepts in the world of sports. Uh, but where they go from here is really going to be interesting to watch. Were, were you surprised by the reaction? I mean, it was it was such a great answer, and I, I'm sure you viewed it that way in the moment, right? It's, 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 he's such a thought-out and a well-thought-out guy. But were you surprised by the reaction to the, to the uh, the question and the answer? Because it went it was everywhere, Eric. You, you, you became an overnight sensation nationwide. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. Um, right. this is just kind of what I do. Um, I ask questions and get answers from people. That's, that's a large part of my job. Um, so yeah, I, I was surprised that it did turn into, um, you know, this, this larger dialogue and, and larger conversation. That was, that was not something I was expecting. Did you have to turn off notifications on Twitter? Uh, yes, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, talking with Eric Name from The Athletic, and now we move to the the nuts and bolts of the offseason here, and he wrote a great piece on The Athletic. I think he put it up yesterday, and it is really insightful because this is an incredibly, possibly uh, franchise-changing offseason in front of uh, Milwaukee. The coaching will be looked at. Players will be looked at. And fair or unfair, f- the fan base is going to have a hard time buying in if it is, in the long run, run it all back. Maybe even if that's the right decision, it's going to be hard for, for people to be excited about this team if if everything is back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to be really a, a tough offseason. There's going to be a lot of difficult decisions to make. Um, I, I think, you know, how you evaluate, like it starts with how you evaluate Mike Budenholzer's job and Obviously, the the tragic events of the last couple weeks uh, of his life, I think, complicate the that decision in in what happens next even more. 
because it, it's a truly terrible, unimaginable thing to go through um, and to go through during the most important, you know, part of your professional life um, makes it makes it really difficult. And and I think we'll we'll see how the organization, you know, goes through any of those things, goes through those um, decisions. But, you know, I, I think when you look at, at the job done in game five, it was it was not Mike Boonholzer's best effort. That was there were mistakes made that I, I don't know if they knew they had a timeout with half a second left in regulation. Um, and if they did, they made a mistake in not calling it, which Mike Boonholzer admitted after the game. Um, you know, you you look back to the play with two seconds left, taking out Brooke Lopez and putting Pat Connaughton on the floor. And then Pat Connaughton is the one that uh, gets bullied by Jimmy Butler at the rim. Um, you, you just look at, you know, a number of those things. You look at their crunch time offense falling apart, three of 19 in the fourth quarter of game five from the field, one of nine uh, for Giannis Adekumbo in the fourth quarter, uh, two of six, I think he was in overtime. Like just overall the, the team not coming through. So I think it starts with Mike Boonholzer and, and how you try to decide to move forward. Um, you try to figure out if he's the right person for the job. If it's, you know, more on the players, I think that gets tougher because as an organization, you don't really have a ton of options. Um, you have Chris Middleton that has a player option for over $40 million next season. Chris can opt in. He can opt out. He can get an extension. He can become a free agent and then sign a, a new contract. He can do a lot of different things. Um, but if you're the Bucks and Chris Middleton wa- walks away, you are so far over the cap, you don't have cap space. You, you don't have – this isn't a situation where, all right, well, that $40 million we were going to give to Chris Middleton, we're going to give to somebody else. Nope, can't do it. Not possible. That the, the salary cap will not allow it. The money that you have committed to Giannis and Drew and Bobby and Pat will not allow that. You do not have room underneath the cap to go sign someone else. So hmm. if he walks, that's it. There's there's nothing that you're getting. And you can see how destructive that is. If you look at the Dallas Mavericks from this past year, Jalen Brunson walks away. They don't get anything for it. And now you just sit there wondering, you know, how yeah. you – recoup that type of value and, and it just it's really hard to do you know you have brooke lopez uh it's similar situation it is he going to walk is he going to stay um if you then keep chris middleton and you keep brooke lopez the luxury tax payment that you have to pay is even bigger than it was in previous seasons and this is the first year that you're in the repeater tax which is even more prohibitive makes you pay even more money on the dollar for every dollar that you spend. So you have to go through all these decisions and it's an off season where from a roster perspective, from a personnel perspective, it's pretty inflexible. There, there's not a ton of moves to be made there. And yes, you, you can make trades and you can move guys around that way. But overall, if you're talking about the biggest moves, the, the most impactful players, there's not just a way to go out there and sign a new one. Other teams might have that option. You don't. So you got to either find a way to keep your guy. You got to find a way to, you know, sign and trade one of your guys. You got to find a way to trade someone for something else uh, that 
that could be impactful, whether that's a pick or another player. Like it, it's just a really difficult off season and it was going to be difficult no matter what, but I think it's a little bit less difficult if you have a second Larry O'Brien trophy. Yep. You're holding on to that thing and you say, all right, everybody wants some money. Great. Let's run it back. <laughs> like, this is easy, right? Like we just won two or three championships and we're just going to keep doing this. We'll, we'll pay, we'll pay that bill. But when you get knocked out in the first round, you only win one playoff game. And yes, there were extenuating circumstances. Yes. Giannis only played in two of those games. I, I get all of that, but, it's a lot more difficult to to figure out if you want to pay all that money to bring all those people back. Yeah, you're spot on, dude. That's Eric Name of the Athletic here with us on Rutledge and Hamilton. Eric, uh, you mentioned Drew Holiday a little bit. I, I was I was surprised by his comments regarding retirement. Uh, he, he's contemplating it after his contract runs out in two years. What do you what do you make of those comments? Because what's the old saying, right? When you're talking about retirement, you're already one foot out the door toward it, or something like I don't know. I probably didn't do justice to the saying. But what was your reaction? <laughs> Did Aaron to the, tell you that or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what's your reaction to those comments? Um, I mean, so it was said a while ago. Um, I know it got rehashed in the last week or whatever, but that was on the Point Forward podcast, I think something like seven months ago, somewhere around. Oh, it's that old. I just saw it, so I didn't know that. Yeah, correct. So it it did just like come back around, um, which is like totally fine. Um, But it it was said a while ago on the Point Forward podcast. um, And I think with Drew Holiday, he is someone who has always put his family first. Um, He is someone that has always valued that. Uh, higher than, I'm not gonna say other players, but like he, he's he's put his money, he's literally put his money where his mouth is. Like when he had the chance to be with his wife and not play, he did so, and he gave up the money that he should have doing that. And you know when he wanted to be with his family during the pandemic instead of going down into the bubble, his wife had to convince him to do so. And the only way he did it was if they then donated his salary money to charity like this is this is the type of person that he is so would i be shocked if you know he just wants to go spend time with his wife lauren and their two kids no i i wouldn't be shocked by that um would i be shocked if you know as he's contemplating that he thinks man i just had close to an all nba season and maybe i'll get an extension maybe i'll sign on for a few more no that wouldn't shock me either so um i mean it those are words that drew holiday said um and and i think it's just going to be something that the bucks have to be aware of and something that they have to think about but uh that is still two years from now um he, he does still have two years left on that deal um so it's not necessarily something that you have to worry about this summer, but if you are doing future planning, it, it is something that you have to, to keep in mind. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, what what series is piquing your interest right now, Eric? Obviously, with the Bucks out, what's uh, what's piquing? I had more Bucks questions. You want to uh, kick over the NBA or uh, go? No, go ahead. All Sorry, right. we, Sorry we, about that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, well, just ask another Bucks. Well, there's so many more Bucks things out there. So with this, I'm interested. I'm with just this depressed, roster. dude. This Roger stuff, the Bucks first round exit. Like, I'm just depressed. I, I get I don't that. Know. But and I think a lot of NBA folks are like this, Eric. And obviously, you're—I mean, you're not like a fan of the team, but you're around this team, so it's just obviously probably a, a bummer vibe. But like the off-season stuff is fat. It's like part of the NBA. It, it is really uh, as interesting as the season can be at times. And the issue, the thing I'm trying to wrap my brain around with the Bucks is like Brook Lopez. He's really good, but he's in his 30s, mid 30s, I think. Drew Holiday, really good, 32. Middleton, 
hitting 30 injuries. I don't know what happens there. And then you have like Ingles. There's just so many good basketball players, but do they all – my question is, and I'm sure this is what Horst is looking at it, and if Booty's involved in these – Bootenholzer is involved in these decisions, uh, how do, do they all fit together the right way? So I want to ask you, like percentage-wise, like do you think – what percentage chance do you give that like – 70% of this roster is returning next year. <laughs> so I've given you two percentages there. I don't want you to try to make predictions on players because I think that could put you in a weird spot. It's just more of like, Eric, you got to give this guy a lesson in how to ask questions. What the hell was that? I'm asking him. How, I'm, I'm trying I'm to give him I'm trying to give him cover. <laughs> how much of this roster do you think will be returning next year? Yeah, I mean, with probability, I think you multiply the two percentages. <laughs> um, but no, um, I, so I think the big thing is uh, the Bucks have six guys under contract right now. Um, then they have, uh, you know, a player option for Chris Middleton. They have a player option for Javon Carter. And then Brooke Lopez, who's an unrestricted free agent, is still extension eligible. Eligible, excuse me. He, he could sign that before uh, June 30th. So if you're 70% of the roster, um, that would be 9 of 15, uh, maybe. Well, that's 60, maybe. I think. No, that's, but that's not my forte. Even that, that means you're going to sign two more of the guys that were already here. I would guess it changes. Um, I would say it's low that you bring back that much of the roster. Um, and maybe if they had one more, if they had gone deeper, I would give it a higher percentage. But I just think whether or not you keep the very top of that roster the same is a question. And I think that hasn't been a question in previous off seasons. Like last year, we weren't thinking about that, right? right? It was... Chris Middleton, if he was healthy, they would have beat the Celtics. They would have gone to the finals. They would have won another championship, gone back-to-back, and you would have had all of that happen. Um, but this year, they got knocked out in the first round, and you have to worry about Chris Middleton and what he looked like. Um, you know, On defense, he was not great in that series against the Heat, but on the other end, he put up 24, 6-6 six and six per game, three of those games without Giannis on 46% from the field, 40% from the three-point line, and 87% from the free-throw line. That's a pretty good stat line. That'll play in the postseason, especially when Giannis is not out there on the floor. So you have to make a tough decision. Okay, if you know he can rehab his knee, if he can get a surgery on his – whatever it is, whatever he needs to do this yeah. offseason. If he can do those things, does the defense come back? And then you have to think about that. So – Brooke Lopez, 35 years old, next year is year 16 in the NBA. Uh, you have to decide how many years of that are we willing to sign up for and how much is it worth every single season. And and I think you're going to find out that it's worth quite a bit, and you do want to sign up for that, but that also means you probably have to accept the fact that those last couple of years may not be as great, uh, especially not this year where he's probably going to be I don't know if he's going to be first-team all-defense, but second-team all-defense and, and really put together a season that top-five center in the league I don't think is crazy yeah. to say for what he did this season. Um, so I, I think there's going to be changes. Like There just has to be because whether or not this wants to be talked about as a failure, um, you know, coming up short, losing, whatever, like whatever words you want to use – I listened to everyone on that roster talk about the goal this season is a championship. We don't care about the individual goals. We don't care about this. We don't care about that. We just want to win a championship. And as Giannis said, that's the worst postseason ever. That's the worst postseason he's ever been a part of. 
because they only won one game. On the little marker board, it said 15 on the top, 15 wins away from winning a championship. That's the worst postseason he's ever been a part of in his 10-year NBA career. And I don't think you can just run it back and say, eh, you know, we were unlucky, we got a bad matchup, Giannis got hurt, you know, what, whatever it might be. You, you can't – to me, you can't say that because this is, this is like the reality of having a team that has a championship expectation. And, and you know, like it, it was funny as, you know, people have asked Giannis – have asked other figures in sports about, you know, Giannis's conception of failure and yeah. what it means. Steve Kerr, you know, said like, well, does that mean 29 teams are a failure? And my retort would have been, no, it doesn't. But for the teams that said the championship was a goal, the season was a failure because the goal was, you stated it, it was a championship. And that's a hard goal. And winning is really difficult. But they came short of that. And, and I just think when you look at everything that they have, it's going to be really hard to say that, you know, you can just run this thing back and hope for the best next season. And Eric, we're talking with Eric Name from The Athletic. Uh, and I'll tie in where Shroff was talking about the rest of the NBA. I would imagine, and I saw some of your tweets, most of the NBA eyes are, are on this Warriors-Lakers series. For sure. And I just want to – like the Warriors, to me, I'm such a big fan of. One, just the, the way they play, and I love Steve Kerr, but it's remarkable in today's NBA, they are doing what I think all Bucks fans wish Milwaukee could do, and they have a core of three. It was Clay, Steph, and Draymond, and then you have Kerr, and everything else, and, and Looney's – I mean – Hanging in right near there, but those three have been kind of the the core of that team and everything else. Players have been subbed out. Uh, Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, it's really good players, but it's always been those three, and it it speaks to, one, the ownership commitment to spend all the money, but also the GM's ability to fill all around it and Kerr's ability to to coach it. But when I watch the Warriors play, one, I think, God, the Warrior fans are so lucky, and I wish the Bucs could have that, and I, I don't see that happening anymore with the core three of Drew, Chris, and Giannis, one of them might have to be moved around, but also like how much of it do you just are in awe of that this can happen in today's NBA, that three guys can stay and continue to win? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing this summer is the new CBA has come in and the new CBA is kind of built around the idea of like, we want to make it harder for teams to keep it all together over the years. Like, sure, pay your, your normal guys, your three guys that matter, but everything else is going to have to change out. And I think we've watched the Warriors kind of talk about how they want to have two pathways, right? Like they want to get the young guys that can play with the old guys eventually and blend those two together. That one road, it didn't work. There's nothing on that road that matters. Jonathan Kuminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, like all those dudes, just like it does, that didn't work. When I watched the Warriors, there's three dudes on the floor that matter. It's yep. Steph Curry, it's Clay Thompson, and it's Draymond Green. No doubt. And that's how it was back then, and that's how it is now. And if you're Bucks fans, I, I guess the the hope could be, all right, let's move some stuff around, but keep Chris and Giannis and Drew together. Um, but but we'll see how the how this offseason unfolds. You're the man, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely. See you guys. That's Eric Name from The Athletic. Listen back, Wisconsin on the Man, Apple, Spotify, any of those great places. And that is brought to you by our good friends at Revive Restoration. RevivePros.com is the website. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. 
You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. It is gorgeous outside. Maybe I'll try to get to a state park this weekend, and if I do, i got to Stop in and get a sticker because I'm going camping not that long at the end of May here. Uh, going to take the camper out to the state park. Got to pull that with my We're big going blue camping this weekend. Big blue truck from Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. Only minutes away from a better buying experience at Simden Chevy in Mount Horeb. You can go talk to Dan Andrews out there and see if he can help you out if you need a, a truck and you can pull something and go camping on your own. But I am going camping for Memorial Day weekend uh, oh, down in uh, Lake Geneva. Oh, nice. Yes, so that'll be a fun one. And, Could run uh, into uh, First Grand Pick, Lucas Van Ness down there. Oh, there you go. I don't think we're in the same area. I'm going to camp the state campground there. I would imagine he's probably got one of the houses I'll see from the state campground. Yeah, or, that's where he was when he got drafted, at least. I don't know if they were renting it or what, but uh, yeah. You know, good for him. But if you're in the market for a new or new to you, uh, Chevy Silverado, Colorado, or SUV, I recommend Simmons Chevy in Montorum. Nice, dude. Yes. I, I Dan the man at, at, at Simmons Chevy. Uh I, I, I still think you and I need to do a camping trip with Matt. I'm down. We have some window here because we usually go every other week. Uh, my wife's not going to go when it's colder, and so maybe we could try to do it later in the year. All right. Uh, we got uh, you. Get to, you guys can bunk bed, and I'll take the, yeah, the master. Y- no doubt. No doubt. All okay. right. We're down. All right. Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light.